Take your Bible this morning and turn with me uh, to the book of Matthew. Matthew's Gospel, find chapter 6. We've been here in a series together the last few weeks, and this morning we will be concluding uh, our time in Matthew 6 that we've been talking about uh, first things first. And I'll give you a moment to turn there in your Bible. We'll, uh, we, we've been highlighting different verses really each week. Uh, working through a theme. The first week we considered uh, what does it mean to seek God in our life personally? We talked about that. Then last week we talked about what does it look like for us corporately uh, as a body. Remember in Matthew 6, there's the Lord's Prayer, or really I should say our prayer, and it, it's the prayer of the church. And, and, and in that, uh, there is a kind of people that God wants us to be collectively. And so we talked about that last week. And then this morning, uh, we're kind of summarizing everything together, really looking at the life that God has for us and, and, and how we are uh, to pursue these things. So um, as you're turning there to Matthew 6, I'll join you there just a moment. I want to ask you a question that I, that I posed to our deacons and their wives on Friday night and is this. Um, how would you define a healthy church? How would you define a healthy church? Now, I just want all feedback this morning. So shout it out. What, what are some things that you think might be important in defining a healthy church. It's growing. That's a great, you know, oddly, that was the first answer that was given in our time on Friday night. Very good. It's growing. What else? It's staying close to God. Okay, come on, shout them out. I know there's more than that. What do you think? What would define a healthy church? A unity. What else? Children. Okay, a children's program, maybe a youth program. What else? It's Bible-based. Okay, that's good. What else? People getting saved, so there's, maybe it's new converts or, or new baptisms or new life uh, coming into the church. Maybe we could look at missions, and we'd say a church that's very involved locally or maybe involved in, in a foreign concept, that, that, that maybe that's a church that uh, is healthy. You know, there's all different uh, indicators that we could point to. We, some people do. They, they point to their programming, and they have strong programs, and so they think they have a healthy church. Or others uh, who think that they have, um, you know, in, in the Baptist circles, it was the three big Bs. It was uh, buildings, baptisms, and budgets, right? And, uh, and sometimes we think, okay, if we have those three things, then we're a healthy church. And, and yet, I, I want us to look this morning, as we've opened our Bibles to Matthew 6, uh, to, to, to consider what the Bible would affirm about the church of Jesus Christ. Now, now, the Bible would affirm and it would teach that a healthy church is a growing church. It's a growing church. A healthy church is a growing church. Notice what Paul has in for us in Colossians chapter 2. I'm not going to ask you to turn there, but it'll be overhead. Notice how he describes the church of Jesus Christ. He says, For though I am absent, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing, Paul says, to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Notice verse 19. The whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments. Notice what Paul says. It grows with a growth that is from whom? Shout it out. God. And so if, if there's any growth in the life of a church, it, it ultimately is because God's the one who caused the growth. Remember Paul, Paul says some people water, some people plant, but ultimately any growth that we could point to and say that was of any significance is something that God does. And so we would affirm the fact that what scripture affirms, that a healthy church is a growing church. 
And, and while that is the case, uh, and in fact, the, the reverse of that is actually not true. Um, it doesn't always mean that a growing church is a healthy church. A healthy church is a growing church, but not all growing churches are healthy churches. Not everything that grows in life is healthy. What about cancer? Some of us, that word hits close to home. Because we think about something that grows and it's not supposed to. <laughs> it's growing in a way that it shouldn't. And, 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 and any of you driven down the highway and you see the kudzu, you know, just spilling out all over the place, and it's like overtaking all vegetation. I mean, it's growing, and it even looks like, like it's thriving, but it wouldn't be healthy in the way that we say it, it looks presentable, right? It looks, um, it's actually choking out other forms of vegetation as it grows. And so when we think about the growth of a church, I think it's really important to say, hey, not all growing churches are healthy, but all healthy churches will be churches, are a church that is growing. We affirmed a new mission statement as a church last year. Uh, I hope you've kind of committed this to memory and, and we could say it without looking, but just in case this morning, we went ahead and put it overhead for you, all right? But would you lift up your voice as we just say our mission as a church together? Here we go, ready? We glorify God by developing disciples who love God, love people, and influence the world with the hope of the gospel. This is what we believe our mission here at Catawba Valley Baptist Church is. I hope you hear this. I hope, I hope this is not just something that we're going to put on the wall or put it in the bulletin, but I hope that the mission of our church is something that every person uh, could understand, identify with, and are a part of. That our church endeavors to glorify God. That's it. I mean, that's the bottom line of, of why we exist as a people, that our lives might reflect God's glory that we would glorify God, and here's how we do it as a church. You know, there's many ways you can do it individually and, and personally, but corporately, what makes a church a church is that we're involved in the mandate that was given by the risen Christ to go into all the world and make disciples. That is why we exist as a church. I, I think about everything that we do in many ways as we're just like a, uh, like, a, like, a, like a boot camp, an army that's just preparing people not to run great elaborate programming, all that, that's it's nice and it's helpful and it, it builds into people's lives, but ultimately, so we're sending people out. Not just in a foreign missions context, but in our lives every day of the week that we're going out to do what? To make disciples. People, can you go back one for us? Disciples who love God, love people, and influence the world with the hope of the gospel. So this is uh, what we believe our mission is as a group of people. And so here, you can go ahead and advance to the next place. That, that's why we believe here at Kitaba that when we're advancing our mission of doing what we just talked about, that the bottom line, we're reaching people for Christ. I, I'll never forget, Dr. Mason went home to be with the Lord a couple months ago, and I know many of you have heard him say that phrase. You can even remember him pointing to his hand and, and doing just that. He'd say, Aaron, the, the bottom line is reaching people for Christ. You know, we've been in a, we've been in a time, a transition of, of looking to call an associate pastor, and this is kind of the first time I've ever had to do that uh, in ministry. And um, I, I started thinking back on things that Doc said to me when I first came here. 
I thought about things that, that he majored on, things that were important to us in our relationship together as we served. And, 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 and that one just kept coming back to the surface, not just for me, but for our church. Look, that is the bottom line, is, is seeing people reach for Jesus Christ. And if as a church we're faithful to that, if we're faithful in making disciples, then reaching people means that the church will what? It'll grow. <laughs> It'll grow. If a church is reaching people for Christ, it will grow. This past Wednesday night, we kicked off our student ministries. So thankful for all the volunteers, the Awana workers, and youth leaders. We got the most youth leaders we've ever had this year in the last number of years that I can remember. And, and this past Wednesday night, we had a teenage boy give his life to Christ. Amen. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? I mean, that's, that's why we do all that we do. And I thought about you know, the relationship with him and over the last year and a half, just as our church has poured into his life through different events and activities and leading up to this moment on Wednesday night when he gave his life to Christ. And it just, I went home again on Wednesday night and anytime someone gets saved, it's just like, it just brings everything into full focus again of why we're here and what our church exists to do. We're here to reach people uh, for Christ. And so a healthy church is a growing church. And that brings us then to the focus this morning. And that is this, that healthy churches are sustained by healthy people. Healthy people. And this is where I want us to camp on, not just in our study this morning, but I want us to camp on this thought this year. As a congregation, as a body, how are we pursuing health in our congregation? How are you pursuing health in your own personal, spiritual life? I love how Kerry Newhoff describes it. He says, you produce who you are, not who you want to be. And I tell you, that's really hard hitting because I think about each one of us. I think about what God's called us to do and to make disciples. And we're not going to make disciples who are who we want to be. We're going to make disciples that look a lot like who we are. And I mean, there's a real, there's just a real, um, uh, I don't know if it's a gut check and all of that, but there's just this real sense of saying, okay, am I the kind of person that God wants me to be? I mean, as we think about our church this year and, and endeavoring to be a healthy church, am, 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 I, am I the kind of person that God wants me to be? When I think about my own spiritual journey and, and, and my time with the Lord, would I say that, that my spiritual life right now is healthy? Would that be a word that you would use for your life? Because healthy churches are sustained by healthy people. You've opened your Bible this morning to Matthew chapter 6. Would you stand with me? We're going to read two verses. Matthew chapter 6. Scripture's not overhead. Oh, it will be overhead. Go ahead. Uh, Matthew 22. Matthew 6, verse 22. Notice how Jesus, as he's teaching on the hillside that day, he, he, he reminds us. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is, what's the next word? Healthy. Then your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, Jesus says, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. And then verse 33, Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. 
Notice, Jesus is reminding those that are listening to his message that day. Remember, the context of this passage is that Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount. Chapters 5 through 7 span, in your Bibles, the whole teaching of Jesus. And we're just zeroing in on a small section of his sermon, even a few words that Jesus said. But notice what Jesus is describing for us. There's a group of people that are listening to his teaching that day. We're not told how many, maybe hundreds, maybe thousands of people listening to Jesus. But we're kind of told something about the context of their lives as Jesus continues his teaching. You see, there was a lot of people that day who were listening to his teaching who were filled with anxiety. Their their lives were filled with the cares of this life. They were filled with the concern of this life. And in all of his teaching, Jesus is highlighting for us what it looks like uh, to really live our lives for the kingdom of God. Chapters 5 and 6, they really just kind of walk through what does Christ's kingdom look like and how are his followers to live. And notice in verse 22, Jesus, notice in your Bible, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. What, What is Jesus saying here? Jesus is underscoring that for people, uh, their heart is where their treasure is. And as Jesus is using this illustration about the eye, he's using it as this kind of parallel to describe a heart. And so he, he says a healthy eye is, is like a healthy heart. And where your heart is, there will your treasure be. And so notice here, as we fix our eyes on anything in life, as we fix our focus or our vision or our, our devotion on something, we all set our eyes on what we desire most. We have a tendency to set our eyes on something and then our heart uh, follows. And Jesus says, if our eye is healthy, our whole body is full of light. But if our eye is bad, if it's unhealthy, then our whole body is full of darkness. And just as light gives kind of, just as a healthy eye gives light to a body, what is Jesus saying here? So too, a wholehearted allegiance to God gives meaning and purpose to a person's life. You see what Jesus is saying? He says, just as an eye gives light to a body, so too a wholehearted allegiance to God gives meaning and light and purpose into a person's life. And that's why we've been saying the last couple of weeks together is that we all in life have to consider what matters most. And we have to build our lives around what matters most. And here in Matthew 6, uh, Jesus is simply teaching that there's a lot of things in life that are vying for our allegiance. There's a lot of things in life that are vying for our devotion. But Jesus says, hey, there's only one thing you have to seek first. And that is what? Someone tell me. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus is teaching this passage to a group of people that are so encumbered with the cares of life. Really a group of people that aren't very different from this group of people this morning. People who are anxious. People who were uncertain. People who were worried. And to all those people on that hillside that day, Jesus says, don't be anxious about your life. Don't be anxious. 
You say, wait a minute, Jesus, aren't those things in my life important? And so are you saying that those things aren't important and that somehow you're just dismissing all the concerns of my life? No, that's not at all what he's saying. It's in fact quite the opposite. Jesus is saying when we prioritize the kingdom of God in our lives, it doesn't minimize all the other things in our life, but it gives priority and it it gives perspective to them. I love how C.S. Lewis puts it. When first things are first, second things are not suppressed increased. You see, what is Jesus doing here? Jesus is calling people to abandon their life and to embrace his. He's calling them to abandon the life that they think they need and to embrace the life that he wants to give them. Jesus said in John 10, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus says, but I came that they may have, what's the next word? Life, and have it more abundantly. You see, what is Jesus saying? Jesus wants us all to experience something in our life, and that is that, that, that so many of us, we're so tempted to settle for the life that is rather than the life that God wants you to have. It's in a life of abundance. That's the word. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The, the, the image there is, is this life that you can't even uh, uh, quantify. It is this idea that God wants to give you a life to the full. Beyond measure. Something that just can't uh, be contained. God wants you to have a quality of life considerably beyond what you would expect or anticipate. And so whatever in our mind this morning that we think is the life that God would have for us, whatever we have in our mind of saying, ooh, I think that's abundant life, can I just tell you this morning that it's more than that? I mean, there's so many places in chapter 6 where Jesus uses the word more. He's, He's describing something that is a life of abundance. And what Jesus is calling all of us to is to abandon our life and to embrace his life. So may God help us for settling for life when he wants to give us abundant life. So many of us settle for life. We have a vision of our life, of what we think life is all about. But Jesus promises to give us a life that is far better. Promises to give us abundant life. I don't know about you. I, I just don't want life. I want abundant life. I don't want to go through this life and waste it. I want to experience an abundant life every day. Would you say that 22, you experienced abundant life? Would you say that 22, you lived every day uh, to the fullest of what God has for you, of what he wants to give you, of what he wants you to experience? And, and here's the thing, uh, this, Jesus is all talking in this passage about spiritual abundance. He's not talking about material abundance. Yet there are places in scripture we could turn to and consider that. But the focus of what Jesus is saying in Matthew 6 is that we would have the spiritual abundance. And here's the thing, we all understand this because, because um, 
If we're going to experience the abundant life that Christ has for us, there's a spiritual, supernatural dimension to that. There, there is something different in there. An abundant life is not just a life with a lot of stuff. And it's not that stuff's wrong. It's, Jesus isn't saying that stuff's wrong. Paul, even in Philippians, you know what Paul says in, in Philippians chapter um, 4, he says, I know how to be brought low and how to abound. Paul says, I know in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. So, so, so neither poverty or wealth is an indication for us in our standing with God, but it is not that stuff is wrong, but, what, but, 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 but stuff is not what our souls long for. You and I were, were created by God with a soul, a soul that longs for things, longs for relationships, longs for beauty and goodness and purpose and meaning, a soul that longs for hope and joy and peace, a, a soul that, 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 that longs for the satisfaction, which is a satisfaction that only God can give, and stuff can't give us that. So Lord, help us this year. As we seek first the kingdom of God, help us to consider that whether God gives us abundance or gives us little, that regardless of the monetary amount, regardless of what Paul says, regardless my circumstance, you know, Paul understood what it was like as a missionary to be on the field and to be in times of great plenty, and then he also understood what is times uh, of great need, and yet in the midst of all that, what is Paul saying? He says, I'm understanding, I'm learning a secret in this, and that is my soul is satisfied in him. So Jesus says, the pagan people seek after all those other things. But your heavenly Father knows what you need. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Jesus says, and all these things will be added to you. So what is a healthy life? A healthy life is an abundant life. A healthy life is, is living every day, moment by moment, the life that God has for you to live. It's a relationship every day knowing that you have a Father in heaven who loves you, who feeds you, the Bible says, who knows what you need. So are you living, that's my question this morning, are you living a healthy life? Are you experiencing what God would have for you to experience? Or I wonder, where have we gotten tripped up? Where have we put our focus on things that may be important, but they're not the one needful thing? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So you say, okay, well, Pastor Aaron, where does that bring us to this morning? Well, it brings me back to our original question. What is a healthy church? Can we all say it together? A healthy church is a what? It's a growing church. It's a growing church where we're growing together in what God has, but we're growing personally in this abundant life. We're taking active steps to grow in what God would have for us. You say, well, in what way? Notice, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter four that, that it uses this picture of a body that is growing, and notice how Paul describes it. He says, rather, speaking truth in love, he says, we are, he's talking about the church, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, 
into Christ from whom, notice, say the next three words, the whole what? The whole body. Say it louder. The whole what? Body. Paul's talking about congregation now. He's saying this whole body is joined and held together by, what's the next word? Every part with which it is equipped. And notice when that happened, Paul says, it, it, it works properly. It makes the body to do what? Grow. So a healthy church is a growing church, and a growing church is sustained by healthy people, and healthy people who are what? Joined together and contributing to the needs of the body. And when that happens, Paul says a body builds itself up in love. You came in this morning and there should have been a handout right there by your seat. Would you grab that with me just a moment? Did someone find those? It says, get connected. Do you see it there? Take this out a minute. We're gonna, just a moment of evaluation this morning. Some of you are here this morning and I, wanna, I just want you to know, uh, we're grateful for you. We're grateful for your investment uh, we're, we're grateful for the ways that you're serving. I recognize that many of you here this morning are not just serving in one capacity. Uh, you're serving in multiple capacities. And, and you know what? Realize that this, that, that, that God does not overlook that service, but as we serve, we serve unto the Lord. And, and I'm telling you, the things that I'm gonna talk about here in just a moment, the things as we just kind of look back a year in review and think about what God's done this year, those things, uh, oh, yes, God's the one that caused the growth, but those things that just not happen in a vacuum. God used people. He used their gifts. He used them to serve. And, and as we're talking about here in Philippians uh, 4, uh, to benefit the body because every person is plugged into this component and they're joined and they're held together. And so here's a sheet that you can just look over. Take it home with you. Pray over it. Notice, are you looking to get a little more involved this year? I understand some of you this morning, you're here and you say, Pastor, I was real involved at one point. I just don't know if I'm that connected anymore. Hey, get plugged in. Notice, what are the things there? Paul says in Romans 12, having different gifts, let us use them according to the grace that is giving us. Let us use them. And so we surveyed uh, a number of ministry directors the last number of weeks. I appreciate Jessica's help with this. And, and we've put together a list here uh, of things that are opportunities, opportunities right now. Opportunities right now that, that, that there's a opportunity for you to, to use the gift that God's given you to further his kingdom. And look, this is not a help wanted sign, okay? <laughs> this is not a help wanted sign. And God help us if we ever frame ministry service as a help wanted sign. Because the kingdom of God is something far better to give our lives to. One day, there'll be people from every nation, tribe, tongue, language, gathered around the throne of God, singing, worthy is the lamb, that's why we do it. So, but these are just like real opportunities right now in our church as we've grown this year in certain ways, as we're trying to take a step in different ways. These are, these are things that are opportunities right now that, 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 that by God's grace, I'm praying the Lord will fill. I'm praying the Lord will fill every one of these opportunities in the next couple of months. Why? Because, because as we invest in these things, we're investing in the future of the church. I'm so thankful for those that work in our Awana ministry and, and nursery ministry. And I know there's a handful of you that are like being faithful in nursery. And I'm telling you, uh, that is so helpful. To, if you walk by the nursery on Sunday morning, they're just like bursting at the seams. 
But that's exciting because a growing church is a healthy church. And, and, and we look at young people and we say, wow, God, there's, there's a future to this church. And so I, I, some of you are like, man, I served in nursery 20 years ago. Hey, we need you again. Seriously. There's opportunities with children's church. Our, did you see the kids up here on Sunday morning? They're all packed into one class right now. We, by, by faith this year, we want to split them and have two classes. Well, I understand that's more workers and more volunteers, but it's an investment. It's an investment. With outreach and our homebound team and serving our, our homebound and people who are in care centers and, and with the media and opportunities there. And, and you know what? You're like, okay, I've read through the list and I'm just not really resonating. Okay, well, we left you a spot. There's a spot for other. And you're saying, man, God's burdening my heart with this. And I don't know where to start it. I don't know where to begin. I don't know who's doing it, who's leading it. But I want to I help. Fill it in. Fill it in. I mean, whatever it is, fill it in. And a leader or somebody from our church will follow up with you and see how we can work to get you plugged in. Because these are opportunities for service here. This is ministry right here. Lives being changed right here. So here's the, here's the hard part in the message. I want everybody to, oh, and I lost my sheep, but it's okay. I can remember. This is where you're gonna find out if the pastor really committed the sermon to memory. All right, here we are. Personal evaluation. Personal evaluation. Sometimes I think this is helpful. Sometimes we wonder, um, how am I being effective where I'm at? How, how, how am I being faithful to what God would have for me. And as we just think about our church, as we think about opportunities in our church, uh, everybody has a hand. Would you hold up your hand? Five fingers. Are there five fingers? We're gonna, I wanna, I wanna go through five questions. And I want you to, can, now this is not for your spouse sitting next to you. This is not for somebody three rows down from you. This is, this is for you. This is for you. First question. Am I actively seeking the abundant life? Am I actively seeking the abundant life? I mean, if I had to go back and look at my life in review last year, and you did as well, did, did we spend more days than less days seeking the life that God would have for us? Am I seeking the abundant life? Secondly, with that sheet, where are you plugged in um, to the ministries in our church? Are you serving within a ministry of our church? like inside the church, like, like with praise team or, or security team or the children's ministries or Wednesday night. And I understand ministry doesn't always happen at service times. There's ministries that happen throughout the week. Just the question is, am I involved in a ministry within the church? Thirdly, thirdly, what is my mission outside the church? Is there a way outside of our service times on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and certain events of the year that the church is doing collectively? But I'm wondering, where are you personally tied into a mission outside of this church? Are you serving maybe at the Friendship House? Are you involved in a, in a care ministry uh, in our community? Are, are you doing something actively with your neighbors? I mean, there's so many other things we could talk about, but, but, but do I, am I actively, abundantly seeking the life that God would have for me? Am I involved in the ministries of the church? Do I have a mission outside the church? Fourthly, am I belonging to a life group here at the church, right? And I had them worded much better, but I can't find my sheep. 
But the life group is a part of belonging. It's a part of community. It's a part of relationships. It's where, it's where we grow together. It's where we love together. It's where we live life together. Are you involved in that? And then here's the last one. Who are you bringing along with you? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not asking those five things to guilt any person this morning. I'm asking those things because I think if we were to honestly evaluate ourselves with the standard of what it means to follow Christ in our life, there's a component of every one of those things. A component of private worship, a, a component of service, a component of mission, a, commo- a component of community and fellowship, and, and a component of discipleship. And, and I think that's the personal challenge to every one of us here this morning. As we think about 23 and what God might do in our lives, I, I ask, are we growing as a healthy church? And are we dialed in to those things individually? And, and, and so if you say, no, I don't know about that, well, then what are they? What are, what are the points that God would say, hey, that's a step for you to take this year. That's a step for you to take, to bless his body so that, notice, the whole body is built up in love. I think the reason why the Spirit of God moves so freely in our church is because there's a unity in this place. There's a common love for Jesus. And if we love Jesus, we'll love other people. And it's a unity that we didn't create. I was talking to a new member this past year. He said, Pastor, this place just sucks you in. But there's a unity in this place. And we, here's the thing, we didn't create it. But we are called to be caretakers of it. And we're called to safeguard it. And we're called to cherish it. Because that's not the norm. But when people experience a unity, collectively seeking a common vision of the Lord Jesus Christ, collectively loving one another, we experience something that only God gives. And so that's why finally this morning as people, it's important to remember that what we value determines what we do. And so last year we looked at these five things. We took a sermon series unpacking all five of them of, of a gospel centrality and a kingdom mentality and, 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 and a selfless generosity and biblical literacy and intentional community. Listen, this is, these are just not things. These are, these are things that are part of the DNA of what makes this church unique. And these are things for us to deepen this year. These are things for us to grow in this year. So as we kind of just kind of come now to the end and we think about what brought us together this morning for Vision Sunday. I love Vision Sunday because Vision Sunday is a time for us to, before we ever look down the road, it's really more of a time, I think, to look back at what God's done. It's a time for us to pause and to reflect on the goodness of God in our lives this past year. It's a time for us to pause and just survey the journey of where we are as a congregation and what are some goals we're going after and, and, and celebrating what God did in our lives this past year, what he did in this church and anticipating what he's gonna do in the coming year. Just the other night, I, a couple of weeks ago, actually I was preparing a, to write something and, about what God had done in our church this past year and I'll just be honest with you, it's been a hard year for me been a hard year. And, and at first, when I started thinking about 22, I was like, ugh. I, ugh. 
this is where my gut was. It was just like, ah. I mean, there was a lot of positive things, but it was like, just like instantly, just like all the loss and things that I've kind of worked through. And, and then I just grabbed my phone and I reeled back to January 1 of 22. Any of you ever done that? You need to do it. I started scrolling through pictures. I was like, man, that was a year ago. Wow. I started reading, not reading, looking through. And the highlight reel of this past year in my life and pictures that I'd taken for the church and different things. I went on the church Facebook page. I scrolled through a year. I tell you what, I got really excited. I got real excited at what God's doing. You know, sometimes we get so focused on, on me that we forget about what God's doing in other lives and other people. And, and this year, man, God's done some amazing things in the life of our church. And as we pause just to, to give praise to the Lord and thank God for what he did, four words just kind of came to the surface. I, I thought this year has been a year of expansion. It's been a year of development. It's been a year of preparation and transition. I've got something to say on every one of those. First way, it's been a year of expansion. This past year in 2022, we... Uh, reach people, uh, not just in events. We had first-timers at Wild Game. I didn't even get the numbers for first-timers at Wild Game and outreach places, but here on Sunday morning, we had nearly 50 first-time visitors on Sunday morning. That's like almost one a week. We had nine individuals unite with our church and membership this past year. We had a baptism this past year. We had a, um, it was a, it was a time of expanding ministry teams. We hosted the, um, uh, the Encounter Revival Ministries. Remember that back in March? We had a day of prayer here at the church. Last year, Great Commission Giving was the largest it has ever been since the beginning of doing Great Commission Giving. I just talked to Larry Sharkey the other day. 2022 was the strongest financial year in the history of our church. We expanded our life group ministry to now have six different locations in the surrounding region. It, it was a lot of expansion. It was a time of development, man. We, we were doing some things up at the new property. This past year, God worked and provided so that we could have all those trees and shrubs at the front entrance of the property, all of it to be removed. The Lord provided in ways for us to apply more uh, to the down payment, or not the down payment, but the payoff of the property so that we applied over $20,000 this past year. We're two and a half years from the date of purchase. We're, we're this close to a halfway point. Like, we might already be there, and I just don't know it, but we're, like, this close. Like, within the next week or a couple weeks, like, we're going to be not six digits, we're going to be five digits. This, oh, so in two and a half years, the church has applied over $100,000 to that. Just two and a half years. The church expanded uh, in, at the property in certain ways. We um, did things here at the mountain campus. We renovated all of our office spaces, three offices. We converted one office to a, to a media studio and, and we developed leadership here in our church. We ordained two new deacons last year. We gained a new church treasurer. We gained a new administrative assistant last year. We had significant financial updates to our finance systems. I mean, there's just been a lot, a lot of happening, a lot of development, good things. It was a year of preparation. This church sent two pastors on a partly expense-paid month trip for sabbatical. I don't know a lot of churches that have done that. But it was a time of preparation in our life. I told the deacons on Friday night, I said, there's not a week that's gone by yet since I've been back in August that I haven't thought about the effects of sabbatical in my life. 
It was a time of preparation. It was a time uh, of missions preparation. I, I think about Morgan in, in, in April of last year taking a new step with studio, and that was brand new for her, brand new for us, and to see where she's at today and, and getting reorganized and things for this year, it's not even moving out of a time of preparation. I was talking to her on the phone the other day, and I said, you know, studio is not just an opportunity where you're there um, waiting for God to send you somewhere else. It's like you're hitting the runway right now of what God's going to do this year in her life. I mean, she's in the runway, and now the next 12 months is like kind of recrafting some messaging and support because, because we believe that God's going to send her out of there. That's what we believe. It's been a year of, of preparation in her life, preparation in our church. We've never done this before. This is new. It's been a time of transition. Had some dear saints go home to be at the Lord this year. Dear saints. One of our former pastors went home to be with the Lord this year, Dr. Mason. It was a year of transition with our pastoral staff. Stephen and Emily accepted God's call to work at Christ Life Ministries. And man, that was a time of transition. It was a time of transition in us preparing a, an associate pastor committee and now getting all of that put together and, and have been having uh, applications and interviews. Actually, really just a little update. They asked for me to share some with you this morning. Uh, we are working, have been working, prayerfully uh, believing that God is going to send us who he has. Uh, just a quick update, the last number of weeks now, maybe over a month, um, maybe longer than that, we've been uh, in conversation with one candidate in particular. Uh, this past week we had an, an, another interview, fourth or fifth interview with him and his wife. And, um, and, 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 and I don't, we're really excited about it, let me just say that. We're really excited about it, can't say much more than that. Uh, but we're prayerful in what God is doing there. Hopefully we'll have some more updates for you soon. But, um, but that's a point for you to pray about. Pray about. I'm, I'm looking forward to the Lord sending us somebody. <laughs> I am. I don't know if you are, but I am. And, uh, but we were interviewing with him and his wife this past week, and in the course of our conversation, his wife made a comment. She says, you know, this sounds like a really healthy church. And I said, well, <laughs> I feel like it is, <laughs> you know, but, but I really feel that with all my heart that it's a joy to be a part of a healthy church. It's a joy to be a part of a faithful church. So you say, man, I'm running out of time. So you say, well, that's 2022. God, God did a lot this year, and I'd like us to just recognize the Lord for what he's done in our church, in our lives this past year. Can we do that? So what does 2023 hold? Well, all I know is Ephesians chapter 3 says that God is able to do far more than what we think or what we ask. I'll tell you, there's so many things I have want to share with you this morning and feel limited on time. Honestly, the next number of weeks, we will flush more of this out. But let me tell you where we're going. We're, we, we talked about two years ago that we felt like God, we had kind of turned a chapter as a church and not that we were going in a new direction, but we were taking some new steps. And I really believe with all my heart as we move into 23, we're really just stepping forward 
further in some of those initial things that we discussed last year. Notice last year, some of the vision goals for our church was to really reorganize our church for growth, to, to develop some systems and things that are just needed for us to take another step as a congregation, to develop a clear pathway for spiritual formation. This is, these are things that we're working with uh, with different ministry directors this year and will be and, and considering, okay, well, wait a minute. How is it when someone comes into our congregation that they are equipped and prepared for, for the journey that God has for them? And, and how are we creating some on-ramps in different ways for people to uh, grow in their love for the Lord? We began a journey last year with Morgan and my desire and prayer this year is that God will help us as we move from kind of a preparation to more of a planning as I talked about uh, this coming week. Um, we have a special meeting for Morgan. You pray for that. Uh, it's a unique year for her because she doesn't have a mission. Uh, uh, her mission agency hasn't appointed her to a team. She's working with a group in studio. Uh, she has personal things and then as a church uh, things. And uh, so there's a four-way meeting this coming week with myself and her missions uh, coach and the, the couple she's working with at studio and Morgan. Uh, would you pray that, that God helps us this year as we kind of all are on the same page? I think the guy at studio said it well. He says, you know, it's, it's terrible to have more than one boss. And in Morgan's case, she has four, you know, and it's like, so how do we, how do we help her this year um, to, 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 to line the runway in a way that helps her. But we want to take steps as a mission uh, endeavor. That way, our, I, I, I feel like there's more I can share. Every one of our committees are involved in different things this year, goals they're working on. Our ministry directors have goals. And so what does this mean? There's a lot that God could do in our church this year. But I wonder, will we have the faith to believe it? Well, we have the anticipation to look for it. And what would God do this year? More than we can imagine. But will we have faith to trust him for it? Will we trust that, you know, God, God's been faithful to us. God's been faithful to us. And, and whatever the needs are this year, whatever the opportunities look like, we're investigating right now some opportunities for even outreach uh, from our church in our community uh, in, in different ways, not just like a one time a week, but multiple times a week and, and just things I'm limited to, I can't say, but I want to say. And, uh, but would you just pray for God to, to guide us and direct us in this year? You know, the Bible says a man plans his way, but God establishes his steps. So will we have the humility, the openness, the faith, the trust to keep following the Lord and what he's doing in our church? I really believe this with all my heart. God has great things in store for this church. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are. Father, we know that your spirit is our teacher. We know that, Lord, the path that you have for us is right. We know that, Lord, there are many people that you would have for us to reach with the gospel this year. God, there might be new ministries that are formed. 
new mission teams that are created, new endeavors that we pursue. But Lord, we just want to begin it this morning by saying, Lord, would you give us the faith to believe you for things that we think are impossible? Lord, we pray that your work at Catawba Valley Baptist is not done. And we're asking, Lord, that, that this year you would take us in some new opportunities and new endeavors. Lord, ways that will further your kingdom both here and around the world. And Lord, we're looking to you. We're trusting you to do these things. And we ask it in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen.